0: Well, good morning. It is so good to see you guys. My name is Tim. I'm the pastor here at Phoenix Bible Church and uh, we're so glad you've joined us. If you're new with us, special welcome to you. And uh, some of you guys uh, who are new with us are college students. We already welcomed you, loved having you guys here. And when you left in the spring semester, we were not in this place. But you found us. And uh, this is actually our 13th week. Yeah, get excited about that. Our 13th week in this new location. Love to tell you the story of how we got here, but God's been gracious to us. And uh, if you are new, it's a great time in general just to join us. There's a lot going on in general just today. You heard about some of it uh, Thrive for College and Young Adults tonight at 6 p.m. That all gets kicked off. And then after the service, we do have pie. Needs no explanation. Uh, but I will say this, some churches do lunch after church and then maybe get dessert, right? That's too risky. And so we, we at Phoenix Bible Church, we do dessert and then lunch. And so if you're new, that's just a little bit about our culture and identity, our, our core values. So I uh, hope you get to know us that way. No, seriously, we, uh, we say this, we are imperfect people who have been moved by the perfect love of Jesus. Uh, the shortened way we say that is Love moves. Uh, you may see that on a t-shirt or hear that a lot at our church, but but I hope this morning you've experienced that, from when you were greeted at the door, to coffee, to worship that we just had, to the proclamation of God's word, now that you experience the love of God moving in and through your life. We're glad that you are here. Uh, today we are in part three of our sermon series called Why. Uh, we've been exploring difficult questions of, of life and faith. The first week, what do bad things happen? Uh, the second week, why is Jesus the only way? Today is the third week. If you've missed any of that, you can go online, catch it on the podcast. But I'm excited to have um, a friend of mine, Pastor Robert Watson, to preach uh, today's message for us. And several reasons why I'm excited about that. But, but one is just to, to plan. It gives me the opportunity as your pastor to plan what's coming next. And, and what's coming next is September 9th, two weeks from today, we're starting a new series called Disconnected. Uh, We're going to talk about how we are created for community, created for relationships, but there are obstacles to that. And we're going to hit some of them. We're going to hit some of the big ones in our culture today, like conflict, racism, sexuality, technology. And so it gave me an opportunity to sort of plan for that series. I hope you plan and pray for that series and plan to invite someone to that. I think it's going to be really helpful to get a biblical framework for what community and relationships look like amidst our culture and amidst the day in which we live. So be looking toward that September 9th. Uh, And then uh, today, like I said, Robert's going to preach, Why Am I Here? Uh, He's from Sun Valley Community Church, one of the churches we get to partner with in our city. And uh, he's been here several times to preach. And when we first started the church almost four years ago, uh, Sun Valley, um, we came to them and just said, Hey, we need a projector because you kind of need that for words and things like that. I know you guys have all the words memorized to songs, but most of us need a projector. And we said, hey, we need a projector. And they said, hey, how about two? And we said, thank you. And um, so we've had a partnership with them since the very beginning of our church. We love them. Would you guys welcome Robert as he comes to bring God's word to us?
1: Thanks, guys. It really is good to be back here with you. And uh, when I was talking to Tim, he said, hey, can you, can you talk about... Why am I here? This big question, why am I here? And, and the short answer is because Tim invited me to be here. That's why I'm here. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, one, one thing I do want to say is every time I come here to be a part of, of Phoenix Bible Church, I always feel so welcome here. I love this community. I love what God is doing through you guys and, and how the church, you know, yeah, we're, we're here in a new building, but, but the church is you guys. you guys. It's not about the building. It's about you guys uh, being the church. And every time I come here, I experience church, uh, which I absolutely love. So if you're a guest, uh, like, like I've been here, uh, maybe you're new here, make sure you let them know because that water bottle that they give out, it's amazing. I use that thing all the time. Whenever I go to the gym, I use that water bottle. I'm like representing Phoenix Bible Church every time I'm at the gym, which is like once a month. And, and so I'm, I'm representing you guys. But anyhow, it's, they, they got some cool stuff. Uh, again, love what God's doing in this place and, and that I get to be a part of it. Uh, the answer that, that we're going to try and come up with today is an answer to really one of the world's biggest, biggest questions—the question of why am I here? And I don't know if you've ever actually asked those specific words or wrestled with that specific question. And maybe you have, or maybe you, you've just wrestled with it, maybe a little subconsciously. Uh, but all of us are on this journey of trying to answer the question: why, why am I here? I remember I was eight years old when I had my first real existential crisis. And as an eight-year-old, I remember looking in the mirror, and I had this realization that I was somebody. Sounds weird, but I had this, like, I'm a person. And I remember thinking that as an eight-year-old, and I was looking in the mirror and going, and all the people that I see, they're like me, but inside of themselves, and and they're a person. And when they look at me, they just see another person, but, but like, I'm me. Anybody relate to this thought at all that, that I had as a, an Yeah, and if my mom would have walked by, she would have put me in counseling. I'm just staring in the mirror, you know, like, like trying to look inside my eyeball, trying to wrestle with this thing. Like, like, why? Why wasn't I and now I am? Why am I now in this place, in this time, in this family? Why, why am I here? How did I get here? And, and what's the purpose behind it? Why am all of a sudden I'm a person? Living in this body, going through life. Like I said, big existential question for an eight-year-old. And I believe that the greatest answer to that question is found in God's word. So Mark Twain said it this way. He said, the, most, the two most important days in your life are the day that you were born and the day you find out why. And throughout history, there's been philosophers, theologians, kings, peasants, scientists, artists, and eight-year-olds who have wrestled and struggled to answer this why question. And I truly do believe that the most satisfying, the most beautiful, compelling, and reasonable answer to this massive question is found right here in this book. I believe that it answers it more brilliantly than any philosopher, any king, any peasant, any author has ever come up with, and, and it really does answer the question of why you and I exist, why you are here, why I am here, and, and why we are we, why we are us, why I can look myself in the mirror as an eight-year-old and go, man, I'm, I'm a person. I don't have to ask all these questions and wrestle through all these things uh, that, that God's given some very clear answers in this book. Now, to understand the answers to the question, we got to start at the beginning of the story. I don't know if you've ever shown up to a movie and you got in there a little bit late and something major had happened but you missed it and you're watching the movie and you're like, this just doesn't make any sense. Or if you tried watching Star Wars with the new ones, and you never watched any of the old ones like my wife did and she's like wait so who's that is that important is that and it just drove me nuts you know she's asking me all these questions i'm like you should already know who he is and you should already like this is all foundational to the rest of the story you got to pay attention well for us to understand why am i here why are you here We got to start with the beginning, something I like to call Edenology. To understand the first couple chapters of this book, really help us understand the rest of the story. And Tim mentioned this passage we're going to look at with the beginning of this series. He referred back to Genesis. There's so much in Genesis chapter one, two, and three that really makes sense of the rest of the story. And if you skip it, it's kind of like entering into the movie a little bit late, and you're going to be going, wait, what? Wait, why are people doing that? Wait, why do we need a savior? Wait, why does Jesus have to die on a cross? And, and all of that, we need to understand the foundation of the story. Because the Bible, if I were to break it up, it doesn't, it doesn't really read like a typical story. The Bible, if you were to take it all together, here, here's what the Bible is. It's a beginning, middle, new beginning story. Beginning, middle, new beginning. Beginning, middle, New beginning. So we're going to look at the beginning. And and let me just say this before we jump into it. Uh, The Bible is unique, guys. This is different than any other book that's ever been written in the history of the world. Again, Tim has mentioned this in this series. Uh, The Bible is written over the span of 1,500 years by over 40 authors on three continents, three different languages. Yet it all holds together through the person of Jesus. The Bible is unique. And I believe wholeheartedly that this is God's word to us to help us answer some of these big questions that we have, and specifically the question of why am I here? So let's start with the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. If you have a Bible, you can open it up. If not, there's some in the back of the room. You can open it up. You don't have to search very far. Just start flipping till you see the words and the scripture. We're going to go to the very first page of the Bible. Genesis 1, starting in verse 1. And here's what it says. In the beginning, God... Now, the word for God in Hebrew is Elohim, and I I just want to mention that anytime something in Hebrew ends in I-M, Im, it's plural, yet there's one God in the Bible, yet his very name that he gives for himself, it's plural, it's one, and yet it's it's more than one, and and we're going to dive into that here in just a second, that's important. In the beginning, Elohim, God, created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was hovering over the face of the deep. And the Spirit, Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So we're introduced to God who existed before creation. Everything that we know is what he created, what he spoke into existence as we'll see in the creation account. But we're introduced to this this God in the very first pages of scripture, and, and God is already a little bit different in our understanding, going, okay, He's He's one and yet He's more than one. And what the Bible teaches us is that God is three persons, yet one divine essence. Three persons, one divine essence. That God is one and yet three, three and yet yet one. So don't think addition. Because in our minds, we think one plus one plus one equals three. Think multiplication. One times one times one equals one. Three persons, yet yet one, one God. And so you have this God who's existed for all eternity, and God in his very nature is relational. Father, Son, Holy Spirit for all eternity before creation existed in beautiful love and harmony and peace with himself. And so you have this God, this God who's relational by nature, decides, hey, I'm going to create mankind, and I'm going to create this universe, I'm going to create this world, I'm going to express that love that God had always had for all eternity with others, and I'm going to display my glory through creation. So we get into this creation account, but it's important to know, to answer the question, why are we here? We need to understand how it all began, and the God who began it all is a relational God. We're going to skip down Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, so he's created all these things. He spoke the universe into existence, the stars, the sky, all of that. He's creating, he's creating, he's speaking it. Verse 26, then God said, and here we go again. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. So this God who is three and yet... One, who is one, and yet three. And you see the words even in the Hebrew, us and our. This, there's this plurality to them, yet it's, it's one God, and that's clear throughout Scripture. It says, let us make man in our image. And so God, from the dust of the ground, he forms man. And he forms man to be with him. Let's read the passage here, verse 7 of chapter 2. Then the God formed, sorry, then the Lord God formed man out of the dust from the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath, which in Hebrew is ruach. It's, It's the same word that we use for the spirit of God. This breath in Greek it's pneuma. This breath, God breathes the breath of life, and the man became a living creature of all that God created. If ever you go outside or if you're like an outdoorsy person and you like to hike and, and you go out and you, you see a, a sunrise over a mountain or you go out, maybe you're a, you like fishing, you know, and you're going out and you're just, you're just seeing nature or maybe you're like a science geek. I'm kind of a science geek and you get behind a telescope or you start looking at what the Hubble telescope sending back to us and you start looking at all the stuff that's in our universe, all the stuff that's in our world. There's so much stuff out there and It's breathtaking. Or maybe you're more of like the ocean type person and you love like whales and dolphins and sharks and you're like, you know, your TiVo set for Shark Week and you record it all and you, you know, you're like, you just love like the mystery of what happens under the waves and, and you love that kind of, whatever it is, all the things that we can marvel at, all the things that we can look at and go, that is just breathtaking, that is beautiful. Of all of this that God spoke into existence, there's one thing That he truly cherishes above all else, and it's people. There's one thing in all creation that God, he he breathes his own breath, he doesn't just speak us into existence, he breathes his own breath of life, Ruach, into the lungs. And it says that Adam, man, became a, a living creature, the very breath of God. We just sang a moment ago God, it's your breath in our lungs. So we call out our praise, right? We're gonna cry out our praise. We're just giving that breath that God has given us. Anytime we sing worship, here's what we're doing. We're thanking God for the breath he just put in our lungs. And we're saying thanks by giving that breath back to him through song. And it goes back to the story, this account of creation that God says, no, I'm gonna breathe life into you. I cherish you above all else. In fact, nothing else is made in the image of God. Mankind is made in the image of God. Genesis 2.18 Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. So God says, okay, here's the deal. God, who's been three and yet one, one and yet three for all eternity, living in community and existence with himself, he creates man. And he goes, you know what? There's kind of this island thing going on with man. And for the first time, God says, hey, there's something that's not good in creation. Up to that point, if you read the Genesis account, it's like, oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good too. That is also good. And then he goes, ah, there's something not good here. The very first thing that God says, there's something not good. There was a relational component that was missing. Because we serve a relational God. And he goes, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper fit, suitable for him. So he causes Adam to fall asleep. Adam falls asleep. From his side, he creates Eve, which, by the way, that was like when I was in college, I prayed, like, God, I just want the Adam situation. For when I find my wife. Like the whole dating thing, like I, it was just so difficult. And there's so much like, is this gonna work? Is it not gonna work? God just knocked me unconscious and just like pulled something out from my right side, you know. And then just all of a sudden I wake up and bing, you know, and it's Eve. And you know they loved each other because there was no comparison. Eve could have been like totally goofy looking, but it was, she was the only one. And so Adam's like, Eve, you're beautiful, you know. And, and I, man, that was so good. Way to go, God. And so God does that for Adam. And now he goes, wow, it's very good. And they were with God, and Adam and Eve were with each other, and and kind of this whole mystery of the Trinity, God says, yeah, you guys were were two, now I want you to become one, and in marriage, two become one, one and yet two, two and yet one, and then you graft in this relationship with this creative relational God, as we are made in his image, and God says, "No, no, no, this, this is what it's about. This is why you and I were created. Our relational God created us to be with each other and with him. This is how the story begins. You and I were created to be with. Healthy in relationships with others and and healthy in our relationship with God. But the story didn't end there. The story is much longer and much more complicated. So God creates Eve. Adam sees Eve. He's like, whoa, man. And then uh, Genesis 2, 25, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. There is no shame. There is no guilt. They're naked, or if you're from the South, naked, and, and they're going, man, this is, this is great. This is a gift from God, and relationally, they were healthy. No fear, no shame, no guilt, just perfect relationship with each other and with God. Genesis 1.31, beginning part of this verse, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Very good. Our Edenology is very important to understanding some of these big questions of life, philosophy, why we exist. God, at this moment, he's saying, hey, this is a work of art. This is beautiful. This is what the plan was. But remember, the Bible is a beginning, middle, new beginning story. Colossians 1.16, this isn't up on the screen. If you want, you can jot that reference down. Paul writes, and he says, all things were created by him and for him. That God uh, expressed in the person of Jesus, all things are made by God and specifically for God. If you want to know why we're here, why we exist, why all creation, it's to bring glory to God. All things were created by him. All things were created for him. And more specifically, we were created to be in relationship with God. But for there to be love, for there to be this bond, this relationship between us and God, there has to be choice. You guys realize that there's no love without choice. If there's no choice, it's slavery. If there's no choice, it's no longer this, hey, I'm choosing to love. Love is a choice by nature. And God gives mankind a choice. He says, hey, eat whatever you want. There's this one tree that if you eat of it, you will surely die. If you eat of this one tree, and and God's saying, here's the natural consequence of it. And Eve, she's tempted by the serpent, and she takes and she eats. She gives it to Adam, and he eats. And in a moment, in an instant... Mankind chooses without. There is this separation between us and this beautiful, creative, relational God. We chose without. And ever since then, we've been wrestling with, why am I here? Ever since this moment, we've been wrestling with our existence. We've been struggling. The battle with these lies that we believe back in the garden are the same lies that we believe today. Lies like sin isn't bad or God isn't good. You realize those are the lies that you and I are tempted to believe today? And they're the exact same lies that Eve and Adam gave into. And so you have this problem of separation. And here's the crazy thing if I were writing the story, if this were my story, if I could put myself in this chair, that would be the end of the story. I just wipe everything clean and we could start over again. We could try this round too. But that's not where the story ends. Even in the garden, as Adam and Eve have rejected God, God pursues them. He goes, Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where are you? Why are you hiding? What have you done? And because of their guilt, because of their shame, they try and cover themselves up with fig leaves and go, we're going to just try and hide behind this. And God says, no, 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 that's not going to do. No, this sin is going to require a real sacrifice. And so God chooses to sacrifice an animal, and he clothes them in garments of skin. In order to have garments of skin, an animal had to die. And this animal was just out there in the meadow, just grazing, just enjoying life. And all of a sudden, that animal gets killed because of their sin. And if you're paying attention to the story, you're like, well, that's not fair. That poor, sweet little, I mean, Matt, what if it was like a little baby deer? Like, we don't know what they, what, what they were wearing. That, 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 that's just messed up, God. And right at the very beginning of Genesis, we start to see this story unfolding that our sin requires a sacrifice of an innocent animal. And God begins to tell that story throughout history. See, when we separated ourselves from God, God, this is the chair that moved, came to us. And God began to speak to people through prophets, and he began to communicate, hey, I have a plan that is unfolding. And he called out the nation of Israel, and he says, you're going to be my people from your descendants. I'm going to do something that's going to bless the whole world. I'm going to do something to help restore this broken relationship. And it's not just going to be for this group of people. It's going to be for all of the world. And so God begins to speak through the prophets. And he calls out the nation of Israel. And through miraculous things, they become a nation. And he preserves this nation. And they go through all kinds of challenges. and, And sometimes they're, you know, being occupied by other countries. Sometimes they're being dispersed. But God keeps bringing them back. And he gives them these laws. He gives them these rules to follow. And whenever they break the rules... They have this ritual where they sacrifice innocent animals at this temple on this altar. And every year, again and again, they're sacrificing. And there's this gross, kind of messed up, bloody picture that takes place all throughout Old Testament. And you're like, man, all these animals are dying. And again and again, God is saying, hey, sin requires a sacrifice. But the best that they can do is kind of mask over the sin. The best they can do is kind of just cover it up for a little while, but then they have to do another sacrifice, and then another sacrifice, and another sacrifice. God says there's there's a long-term plan coming. There's a solution coming to this huge problem. And 2,000 years ago, God humbled himself, emptied himself. Philippians 2 says that he didn't consider equality with God, his rights as God, something to be clung to, something to be grasped, but God emptied himself and he took on the form of a person, a baby born in a barn, and his name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is what the story of the Bible is all about. It's what the beginning was all about. It's about us with God. This is what we were created for. And when you and I, we couldn't work our way back to God because of our sin, and religion couldn't get us back there, and being perfect didn't work, we couldn't get back there that way, there was nothing we could do to work our way to God. So God, in love and mercy and grace, worked his way to us in the person of Jesus. Yet, what did we do? We rejected him. We mocked him, spit on him, beat him, hung him on a cross. They took his body and they laid it in a tomb of a rich man named Simon, or Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea. And they, they put Jesus' body in Joseph's tomb and, and, and they all are just mourning and they... they do all the stuff to prepare the body, and they're, they're just all broken, going, man, we thought God was on a mission to be with us. We thought God was on a mission to restore what was broken, but apparently God didn't know what he was doing, and we rejected him, and now Jesus is dead. And then three days later, Jesus rose from the grave. His death on the cross, that conquered sin on our behalf. See, it didn't just cover up the sin. It took it away. He paid the penalty. Where animals being sacrificed kind of covered it up, It's kind of like if there was a trash can up here, and they just kind of did some Febreze on it. Jesus came and actually took out the trash. Jesus came and actually paid the penalty, the debt that you and I owe for our sin. He paid that on the cross. And then three days later, when he rose from the grave, he proved that not only did he conquer sin on our behalf, he also conquered death for us. And again, this story, I go, man, at this point, after we rejected Jesus, like, it could have been game over. But God is full of love and grace, and his desire, why he created us, is to be with us. And so he says, no, 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 I'm here knocking. And I'm inviting whoever would put their trust in me, whoever would put their hope in me, I will come and I will make my home with them. And my spirit, Numa, Ruach, will breathe fresh into their dead souls and bring life. On this earth, when they put their trust in me, my spirit will move in where there was only death and I will replace a heart of stone with a real heart and these will be my children. They are adopted into my family and one day when their bodies die, hey, you saw what I did. I conquered death. I'll take care of that for them. I'll get you new bodies. It's no big deal. You're gonna be with me because listen, this is what you and I were created for. And one day, Jesus is going to return. and If ever you read Revelation, my favorite passage in the whole Bible, Revelation 21, there's this picture, this is beautiful picture of God and his people, his church, being united together. It says that Jesus is going to wipe every tear from our eyes. All the shame, all the sorrow, all the death, all of the guilt, all of the pain that we've experienced in this journey, in this story, says that Jesus is going to wipe all that away. Behold, he's going to make all things new. The Bible is a beginning, middle, new beginning story. And the beautiful thing about heaven, what makes heaven heaven, it's not streets of gold and, you know, angels playing harps or whatever. What makes heaven heaven is the presence of Jesus is there. The presence of our God is there, that he will be our God. We will be his people, that he will be with us. This is why we exist. This is what life is is all about. It's about being with God. Jesus, when he prays a prayer for his disciples in John 17, we read it earlier in the service. He prays for his disciples, and I love it. He also, he says, hey, and I'm praying too for all those who are going to believe because of their testimony. I'm praying, too, for those who are going to put their faith in me down the line. That Jesus in Scripture prays, if you've put your trust in him, he prayed for you specifically in this passage. He prayed for me specifically in this passage. And I love this prayer that Jesus prays for us. John 17, verse 1, says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven, and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. In verse three, I love this. Jesus is praying and then all of a sudden he says, you know what, people might read this one day. Let's go ahead and give them a quick definition of what I'm talking about here. And this is eternal life. He's about to define it. If you want to know what life is about, if you want to know why you're here, if you want to know why we exist and what eternity really is all about, what heaven is, what makes heaven heaven, he says, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Life is about having a relationship with God. Eternal life, it's about knowing God, not knowing facts about God But knowing God, experiencing God, when we stand and we worship this God, we are experiencing, we're getting to know this God. When we open up his word together in church and we learn what God has spoken to us, we're not just learning data, we're beginning to be transformed, to have our minds changed, to experience why Jesus' way, the way of of our leader, the way of our master is better than our natural way, the way of the world. We begin to experience these things and we get to know God in a personal way way as we go through life and we trust him each day and we are in community encouraging each other god uses all of that wouldn't you know it he uses relationships with each other to help us get to know him and if you understand the beginning of genesis if you understand the foundation it makes sense why god wants us in small groups hanging out at other people's houses sharing meals together living life together saying hey out on the patio getting to know each other's stories because god uses relationships to help us build more relationships with him, to help understand ourselves and with others in our community it 's all relational. We have a very relational God. life 's about having a relationship with him, and in that we build relationship with each other. We talk about eternal life it 's not about a destination that 's a part of it, but that 's not what is at its core we 're talking about a relationship it 's what life 's about it 's why you were born it 's why you 're breathing so that you might know God and have a relationship with him. So to answer the question, why am I here? Man, I talked a long time just to get to the answer, didn't I? Why am I here? If you're taking notes, if you want to write this down, uh, number one is to know God. Why am I here? To know God. God created you with purpose, on purpose. There are no accidental children. There's lots of accidental parents. Okay, But there are no accidental children. You were created with purpose. And you were loved and you were cherished by God. And you are here to know that God. And you might go, well, I don't think God wants to get to know me because you know I've done some stuff. And, uh, and man, Robert, you don't know my story. Uh, here's what I know. I know that no matter who you are, that no matter what you've done, that no matter what's been done to you, that God loves you. He loves you. I know that because he has demonstrated that love. He has proven that love again and again in this story for you. And he does have a purpose and he has a plan for your life. I want you to know that God. I want you to experience that God who loves you. Life's about knowing God. Second thing, this is why we're here. Uh, to walk with God, to walk with God. Key part of the story, again, it's it's with. So we put our trust in Jesus and the Holy Spirit moves in and and now we have a choice. See, what we can do is we can kind of just ignore God's Spirit speaking to us and working in our life and we can do a lot to quench the Spirit and kind of go, yeah, I'm just gonna keep doing my own thing and God's saying, no, 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 walk with me. Go on the journey with me and you will see God is faithful. God can be trusted. God's not out to rob you of joy. Sometimes and I've I've been guilty of this. I'm afraid to do what God wants me to do because I think there's more joy over here. You know what I'm saying? And from my mind, my perspective, I go, but that, that's way more fun and, and to trust God with this. And I'm telling you, and, and I don't get this perfect. I don't do this right every time. But when I follow God, when I, especially when I don't want to, and I go, God, you tell me to do this. I'm going to do this. But I, don't want, I think that's more joy. Uh, I always experience God knew what he was talking about. He's the author of all things. He created, he knit together your soul in such a way he knows what is going to bring you life abundantly. And he says, that's why I came here. I want you to experience abundant life, true life, life to the fullest. I want you to have joy. I want you to have peace that surpasses understanding. And it's through following me, walking with me through the real stuff of life, through our relationships, through our challenges, through our struggles. God says, walk with me in all of that. And in doing so, you get to know me personally. And then the third reason you and I are here is to help others know God and walk with God. To help others know God and walk with God. It's not just about us. And you really can't get to know God and walk with God without helping others know God and walk with God, because that's what's on God's heart. And as followers of Him, as we walk with Him, He's called us to, hey, be a part of helping others come to know me. Because there's a lot of people that are right here, and Jesus is knocking. And Jesus says, hey, here's how they're gonna put their trust in me is by the way that you love, by the way that you care for people through relationships. I'm gonna draw people to me, but I want you to be a part of this journey. I want you to be the ones that tell people about what I've done for you. I want you to be the ones that when you see a need, you meet that need. You love people right where they are in the mess of where they are. You care for people in your community. When somebody is an enemy, you pray for them. You show them love. You do these things that are radical because it's gonna draw people to this story, to understanding what I've done for them. And when they put their trust, in me. I'm going to move in and guess what? They're part of the family too. Now you guys work together and you figure that out, how you're going to help others do that and help others experience what you've experienced. That is the journey of faith that Jesus has called us to. Uh, You guys have a thing here called fall five. Uh, Tim's talked about this in the past. This is a little card, a little bookmark and and here's, it's, it's very simple but it's very brilliant because when we write names down, we think about it and so fall five is about who are five people that you can invest into We're five people that you can intentionally go, I'm going to just love on these people and say, hey, we got a great community. We meet on Sundays at 10 o'clock, and here's where we meet, and come check it out. We would love to welcome you in. People aren't going to judge you. They're not going to be mean to you. They're going to be kind. They're going to be loving, and come experience the love of Jesus through us, through our community, And, and so this is just about having a list of five people that you're praying for, that you're just keeping on your radar going, okay, there's going to be an opportunity, God, I know it. Help me to be courageous. Help me to love them well. And when the opportunity comes, to invite them to be a part of this community and to hear about your love you offer to them. And so don't miss this. It's, it's a bookmark on purpose. You could stick it in whatever book you're reading. If you have an e-reader, just like slide it into the case behind it in such a way you can see it. Uh, but use this as a reminder. Or if you're like, I don't read. I, I do Audible. Put it on your dashboard, okay? Uh, find a place you're going to see this. And when you see it, pray For those people, and let's see what God does. Tim, I think I'm okay on time. I'm looking at my countdown. It says I have five minutes and 42 seconds. Is that correct? That's correct? We're going to wrap up a little early. I just want to tell you guys a story. And uh, it's it's kind of a goofy little story, but it changed my life. So I'm going to share it with you. When I was in junior high... Somebody invited me to church, it was my mom. And when I say invited, she made me come. And I, I, came, to, I came to church and I, I didn't like it one bit. And as a junior hire, I was nervous, I was afraid. And, and it's funny because as an adult, I still sometimes feel like a junior hire when I go into a new environment. And all those feelings, all those emotions, they, they come back easily, right? All of a sudden you're at you know, a spouse's company event and you're showing up and you're like, I don't really know anybody here. And you even, your spouse is there, so you're just like, you know, glued to their arm the whole time. It's like, ah, kind of uncomfortable. Or even scarier, you know, you're walking into something you know nobody. As a human being, that's just a really scary place to be. And you realize every week in our churches and our gathering places, we have people who come in and they're, they're having all those feelings of junior high all over again. And I remember as being an actual junior hire at church, having all those feelings, and I walked in, and I I was done with God. I was done with church. My parents were going through a divorce. My life was kind of, you know, just kind of falling apart. The things that were stable were no longer stable, and and I was just done with it. I hated being at church, and the youth pastor, he says, hey, if you come three times in a row, and you don't want to come again, you don't ever have to come back. And I said, I could do that. I come three times. And be done with church for the rest of my life? Absolutely. Like In my mind, I thought, that's a good investment. And so so I show up. Forget the illustration of these chairs. I'm just going to use them as chairs now. I I show up. And I'm looking around. And I don't know anybody. And and they have rows of chairs. And and people are starting to sit in them. And I'm just kind of standing in the back. And I'm going, I I don't know how I'm going to connect. I don't know how I'm going to belong. And this kid named Andy Herowitz... I have no idea where he is today. He has no idea. He probably would be like, Robert, who? But this kid, and and, in hindsight, I think the youth pastor put him up to this. This kid was one year older than me. And he walked up to me and he goes, hey, uh, Robert, right? Had a name tag on. Robert, right? Hey, uh, you wanna sit with me? That was all it took. And as a scared junior hire, I had a kid who was older than me who I looked up to who I had respect for say hey you come sit with me and so I did and I sat there and we didn't say another word we just sat there sat through the service whatever it was done at the end of it we get up and he says hey I'll see you next week that was it I went home The next week I came back, I found Andy, I sat next to him. The third week I met another kid, I sat with that kid, then I went on a camp, then I went on a mission trip, and then I got involved, and now like, my whole life is in churches, right? Like this is what I do now, And, and I look back and I go, God used the simplest little act of kindness to completely turn my world upside down. Guys, this is why we're here to do these simple things that that might not seem like a big deal, but God's going to use it because he's God. We're here to to know God, to walk with God, and to to help others know and, and walk with God. That's why we exist. And I want for you so much to have this moment where you're Andy in somebody else's life. Well, you just did something. You didn't think it was that big of a deal, but somebody ended up putting their trust in Jesus and now their whole family tree has changed. The chains have been broken in that family and their kids are gonna grow up differently. And and for you to see that for just a moment and go, I see what it's all about. I was created to be with God, to walk with him, to know him, to help others experience that. that. That's why we exist. It's a big question, but it's a beautiful answer. And I believe it's the right answer. I believe it's the true answer. My prayer is that we would all be looking for opportunities to help people meet this wonderful, amazing, loving God. And so right now as we pray, I'm going to ask if you have a name of somebody in your mind while I'm praying that maybe you would just pray for that person, that God will give you the opportunity, and when the opportunity comes, he'd give you the courage to do a simple act of kindness, a simple act of invitation. Would you pray with me, Jesus, for these names that come to mind, for the names that maybe we're not thinking about right now, but God, you know exactly who they are. God, would you give us the opportunity and would you give us the courage to use our lives, to be a part of what you've created us for, to be in relationship with you and help others experience the same thing. God, all of this, this whole story, it's all about relationships. It's who you are. It's why you've made us. Pray to help us not to miss it, chasing after all the stuff, all the things, titles, whatever that may be, that we neglect what really is the most important thing, relationship with others, relationship with you. Help us to be the church. God, help us to know you, to walk with you, and to help others to do the same. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.